passage right there. Praise the Lord. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes by the word of God. It is impossible to believe without having experienced the word of God. How are they going to believe? You know, the Bible says without a preacher. Now, will they preach except they be sent? And it is the treasure of the word of God, this resource that the Lord has given us that answers all of our questions, grants us hope, encouragement for today, hope for the future, and instructs us in how we ought to live. Now, that's a touchy subject because, dear Lord, I've experienced one thing over these years. People don't want Brother Andy telling them how to live. That's all right. I'm not telling you how to live. I'm telling you that the Bible is telling you how to live. Amen. Amen. If it's Brother Andy's personal convictions, you can take it or leave it. But, beloved, if thus saith the Lord, I would encourage you to greatly place great weight on what the Word of God has to say. Now, having said all that, we're going to get into this. I'm going to speak to you this morning for a few moments on the subject of active faith. James chapter 1, beginning at verse number 19. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the word, this one will be blessed in what he does. Now I'm going to switch over to the amplification because I want us to understand what James, the message he's trying to get across to us. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, speaking to the church. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. Now this is how we're supposed to live. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourself. That is too many people. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you care, look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. It is the will of our Heavenly Father that we learn understand and obey his word salvation is more than fire insurance and that's what a lot of folks are looking for preacher just tell me I just don't want to go to hell that's all I just I just don't want to go to hell just I, I, what, tell me what it takes not to go to hell I'm not interested in this other stuff you know uh, about how I'm supposed to live or things I'm supposed to do or what I'm supposed to lay hold of what I'm supposed to let go of I just don't want to go to hell. We call that fire insurance. So that's, it, there's more to salvation than not going to hell when you die. Amen. Now, not going to hell when you die is great. Amen. And going to heaven when you die is great. Amen. 
But there's more to salvation than that. Jesus came to forgive us of our sins, that through the Holy Spirit we might be born again, new creatures in him, but that we may live productive lives, lives that are full of joy, lives that are full of satisfaction and fulfillment, and you cannot do that living any way contrary to his word. Amen. Amen. Now, because of this attitude that is prominent among humanity, this resistance, and, I, and you know, like I said, I've dealt with it. I've, I started preaching in 1984. You can count, count up the years. I've dealt with this resistance for years. And, then, and, and when you do that, sometimes people misunderstand you and you get a label, you know, and you're, like, you're, you're hard or you're mean or you're legalistic. I ain't trying to rain on nobody's parade. I still fish. Can I get a praise God? I own and ride a Harley Davidson. <laughs> I got an amen back there. Sister Ginger and I own the same year model Harley Davidson and model Harley Davidson. Hers looks better than mine, but we won't get into that today. Amen. I'm not trying to rain on your parade. But see, that, that's what the, 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 the campaign that the enemy wages is that you don't want to do that. You don't want to live this uh, restricted Life like you're in a straitjacket. That's the devil talking. What he does not want you to know is that the Lord, through his word, amen, and through his instructions found in his word, desires that we live in a glorious liberty. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. amen. And so the enemy tries to, you know, his very best to confuse the message. But James here, and James has been misunderstood. There was one uh, very uh, famous fellow who ain't with us no more. Uh, I'll just go ahead and get in trouble. Martin Luther King Jr. said that the book of James should be taken out of the Bible. He didn't like what it said. James gets down there where we live, folks. James not only will walk on our toes, he'll cut our feet off at the ankles. But what he says is true, and what he says is inspired of the Spirit of God. That 22nd verse needs to be shouted to the church today. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourself. James chapter 2. We're still in amplification here. Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, goodbye and have a good day. Stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds or active faith is dead and useless. Now, someone may argue some people have faith, others have good deeds, but I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have the good deeds or the evidence to go along with it? I will show you my faith by my good works, by my good deeds, by the things that I do. I will demonstrate evidence of my faith in Christ. You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God, good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith <clears throat> without good deeds is useless? Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? Now that's faith right there, folks. Isaac is a child of promise. He's the one they've been waiting on. There's only one Isaac. Abraham and Sarah ain't going to have no more kids. 
He's it. And the Lord has just instructed Abraham, you will take him and sacrifice him on an altar. You will kill him dead as a hammer. You will gut him with that knife and you bleed to death. Abraham told Sarah, we're going yonder to worship. And then he says, but we'll be back. Abraham believed God. He's coming down with that knife. This is a test for him. And the Lord holds his hand up and says, whoa, 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 whoa. You don't have to show me anything else. Because God knew he meant to come down. The thing about Abraham was, this is the child of promise. The Lord has promised me that my descendants will be like the sands of the sea. I can stick him with this knife. I can shoot him with a double-barrel shotgun. I can hang him from a cherry. I can absolutely burn him to a pole. Whatever is done to him, God will raise him back up and give him to me because he's made me a promise. And I believe it to the place where I'm willing to sacrifice Isaac. The faith comes first. It comes first. But when it's genuine, it produces in us evidence of the reality of the gospel. Verse 22. You see his faith and his actions work together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened just as the scriptures say. Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not faith alone, because that is the evidence. Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her action. Rahab the prostitute. Anybody got a prostitute in your family? Didn't think I'd get a response to that. Rahab the prostitute. Everybody knows what that is, don't they? She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. This woman was a prostitute. She had an apartment on the wall of the city. But when the messengers came, she believed what they said about the God of Israel who is God. She was a prostitute. I mentioned that before. Anybody, anybody leave here not knowing that Rahab was a prostitute. She was a prostitute. But when she heard about the God of Israel, she believed it. And her actions manifested that faith. I believe. This is the God they told me brought y'all out of Egypt with a mighty hand. I believe. I, and whoo, glory. My faith in the God of Israel is greater than my fear of the people of Jericho. Boy, put that in your post toasties. My faith in the God of Abraham is greater than my fear of the people of Jericho because they come to, to check her out. She sent them on their way. You know, I'm sure there was a little voice on her shoulder saying, save yourself and turn these boys in. But her faith would not let her do that. Her faith determined her actions. Verse 26. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works or active obedience. Saving faith in Jesus Christ will produce, will, without fail, Produce active obedience to his word. Amen. 
without fail. I hollered this at y'all all these years. There may be somebody here that ain't never hollered at you yet. This will be your first time. What you believe determines how you behave. Now that's just it. Now I've given examples of this over the years. I've preached this in other places. I went down to uh, uh, Grand Bay Assembly of God with Brother Stokes on Wednesday night. Bought a briefcase in there, sat down on the communion table. Didn't say nothing to nobody, not even him or nobody else. Just set it there. And because they know me and love me, they didn't say nothing to me about it. Nobody come up and said, hey, get that briefcase off that communion table. Do you think you live here or something? Then nobody say nothing about it. And I was preaching on faith and how it determines what we believe determines what, how we behave. And so finally I got around and I was down in front. I had a wireless mic at work that night. And I got down around in front and I said, you know what I got in this briefcase? And people looked at me and I said, I come from northwest Georgia. We handle snakes where I come from. And what I would give for a photograph of Alton Stokes' face when I said that, I'd hate to say. He looked at me and he... he he kind of said this under his breath. He looked at me. He said, boy, you better not have no snake in there. I said, you don't know if I do or not. I said, y'all don't know me. I got a big old rattler in there. I cut its rattles off so it wouldn't sing. And I'm fixing to open it up. We're going to handle snakes in this house. You know, you can see people backing up, you know. I said, now, now here, here's my point. If you believed old brother Andy brought a rattlesnake into your service, you would have done been out the back door by now. But you don't believe that. Therefore, you haven't left. Now, I've also made this, did this same example, if you will, and said I got a bomb in the briefcase. And if you believed I had a bomb in the briefcase, you would have left the place before now. But we've had so many church shootings and stuff, I just kind of eased it over from a bomb to a snake. But you see my point. It's a question of what we believe. Amen. And all James is saying here is, look, there's more to this than a dead confession, which is nothing more than agreement with historical fact. It is a historic, secular historical fact. Jesus of Nazareth lived. He was crucified. He rose bodily from the grave. That's not just a, a, a religious point of faith. That is a secular fact of history. They got a memo from Rome after that telling folks, in hey, you tell them people quit messing with them graves. Now, that ain't got nothing to do with the Bible. That's just history from Rome. Tell them folks, quit why they tell them quit messing with them graves? Because they put one in that they didn't take out. Amen. And when they found it, it was gone. Praise God, he was gone. It's a historical fact. The gospel is historically true and accurate. Amen. And people that tell you that aren't are stupid. Amen. And if you don't want to up, you know, get them mad at you, you just tell them, old brother Andy said they was, they'd come talk to me about it. Saving faith in Jesus will produce active obedience. Now let's speed shift to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 9. Now, I'm not a very famous person. I don't have access to a lot of folks. But we got an old boy running from president who needs to read this scripture. Because some preacher lied to him. You know, brother, ain't they lying preacher? They're too many. Some preacher lied to this guy. You know, Mayor Pete Buttigieg, however you pronounce his last name, is a practicing homosexual, is married to a man. And he's already said that if he, you know, wins the White House, they're going to start a family. And I'm like, well, I'd like to see that. You know? 
How you going? How you? I mean, of course, they'd have to adopt children. But what an ungodly example that was said. You want to hear something that's politically incorrect? You have a politically incorrect pastor who's not ashamed of the fact that I am politically incorrect. Somebody needs to call this boy up and read the word of God to him. Paul, speaking to the church at Corinth, says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. That's just not going to happen. Now, that's politically incorrect. You can't say that. You might offend, you know, some folks who are trapped in a homosexual lifestyle. I'm not trying to offend anybody. I'm trying to declare the word of God that will deliver them from a homosexual lifestyle. Somebody, you know, Mayor Pete needs to get in some church where the truth of God's word is proclaimed. He needs to hear a truth-telling preacher that'll just tell him flat out, boy, you need to get right with God. You need to repent. You need to put your faith in this Jesus you claim to believe in. Amen. Verse 11. But Paul writes to the church and says, and such were past tense some of you but you were washed but you were sanctified but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God and some were such of you some of you found a place on this list but you've been washed The devil's going to tell everybody in this house you ain't saved. The devil's going to tell everybody in this house you ain't got nothing. The devil's going to tell everybody in this house that you are worthless, that you are lower than a snake's belly, so to speak, that you ain't worth, worthy of taking the next breath. But that's not what the Word of God says. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were set apart for a specific holy purpose. But you were justified. You now are in a legal standing before the throne of Almighty God of absolute perfect innocence. More than not guilty, innocence. Just as if you had never. It's not that you're guilty and got away with it. That's not what justification is. Justification is more than a not guilty verdict. It is to, uh, to occupy a place of legal standing before the throne of God, just as if you have never, ever done anything wrong, ever. Only Jesus can do that for us. But he does it for us. Hallelujah. <coughs> In the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Now here's the deal that, that, that the Lord impressed on me about this message this morning that I, I want to get across. By his grace. And talking to Christian folks. Everybody. Willpower. Is insufficient. To produce obedience. That is Satan's deception. You ain't got enough willpower. You may have enough will. You know, how many, oh, I don't, don't want to do that. I don't want to get anybody in trouble. How many folks started to die at the first of the year. And you done kicked that dude by the wayside by now. 
you've seen that chocolate cake or whatever it was, and you say, whoo, glory. There is a preacher who I know and love dearly, and Brother Tyler, and I, I've shared it with you before, but I won't call his name, who uh, took a day to fast, fasting today. And as the day went on, he's like a lot of us. He's getting up in years. His memory ain't as good as it was. He forgot he was fasting. So he went by Burger King, got him a Whopper with cheese. And as he pulled out, he, he, he remembered, hey, I'm fasting today. And then he blamed the devil, like we all do. You devil, I'll show you. He put that whopper with cheese up on the dash, and that's a truce. This is no, I have not made this up. He put that whopper up on the dash of his car. I'll show you. He drove, and man, if y'all, them Burger King hamburgers on that grill, man, they smell good. Especially when you ain't had to eat all day. And that, you know, that vent air is just blowing, man, that meat and all that. Mm. And it overcame him. And he ate it. And then he repented. Asked for forgiveness. Now, I don't think it was that big of a deal that the Lord would have to execute forgiveness in his behalf. But the Lord, I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, folks, God laughs more times than we think he does. And the Lord forgave him for it, you know. But my point is this. Willpower is insufficient. It's not a question of saying, well, I'm going to take a deep breath and I'm going I'm to strain real hard. And then when your willpower fails, you get disappointed. And then that's when the enemy says, you're all this and you're all that and you ain't this and you ain't got nothing and you, you know, you're just sorry and all this other garbage. What he does not tell you is that faith in Jesus Christ will grant you entrance into the grace of Almighty God. And what my willpower is unable to accomplish, the grace of God is able to accomplish in me. Amen. I want it to go forth with a, with a loud voice. The grace of God saves us. The grace of God instructs us in how we ought to live. Now the enemy wants to use that as an intimidating factor. Oh, I can never do that. I'm too weak. I'm too this. I'm too that. All these excuses and all. That's a bunch of junk. The grace of God instructs us in how God wants us to live through the word. And then the grace of God, his unmerited favor, enables us to live the way we ought. Amen. We do not produce righteousness as a, a, an expression of our will. Now, you, you know, willpower can accomplish a lot. You can do a whole lot with willpower. They, some folks, they absolutely, they live very strict, disciplined lives, and it's totally willpower that does it. You know, they ain't eating no crystal hamburger. They ain't drinking no, you know, soft drink, no 7-Up, Dr. Pepper, nothing like that. They, you know, they have a Spartan diet, and they live a Spartan lifestyle, and they got a Spartan body to go with it. Paul said bodily exercise profits little. He's talking about spirituality, spiritual things. But even at, at that, willpower is insufficient. It falls woefully short, and you'll find yourself eating that cheeseburger before you know it because willpower can't get it done. But his grace can 
when through faith, through faith, I believe in Jesus Christ. Amen. I believe what he said. He said, I've not come to condemn the world. I've come to save the world. I've come to seek out the lost and save them. The only one who has a right to condemn us is Jesus, and he's chosen not to. They slung that woman they'd caught in the very act of adultery at his feet. Thought they had him. Point, she's guilty. We caught her in the very act. Rabbi, what do you say? <laughs> we got you now. He didn't. Wrote on the ground. And as I've shared with you, what do you think he wrote? Since I heard Brother Kenny Morris share with that, I agree with Brother Kenny Morris. I believe what he wrote on the ground. Because they had stones in hand. The law of Moses says we are to stone her. What do you say, Rabbi? And he writes on the ground. And then from the least of them to the eldest, they walk away. I will die for her. Stone me. But then you believe, he said, I have absolutely nothing to base that on except a feeling in my heart when Kenny Morris said that from behind this pulpit on this platform all those years ago. But I believe he's right. I will die for her. Stone me. She's guilty. We caught her. <laughs> we got her. We set her up and caught her. We knew who she was. We got her. She's dead to right. She's guilty of homemade sin. We stay down there in the south. What are you going to do? I'm going to die for her. I'm going to shed my blood so that her sins can be washed away. I'm going to rise from the dead on the third day in power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. I'm going to ascend to my Father and prepare a place for her. When they all left, he looks at her and says, where are your accusers? They're gone. Not one. Amen. I'm telling you that Jesus run the devil off away from you because he's going to be the one that accuses you. I ain't going to accuse you of nothing. Devil will. Where are your accusers, woman? <laughs> they left. I'm by myself. Go and sin no more. How can I do that? I, I've loved a dub, so to speak, up to now. I've messed up up to now. I, was, I mean, you know, grace, grace, grace. We don't preach about grace enough in the Pentecostal church because we don't want nobody thinking that we're giving somebody an out. I ain't giving nobody an out. What I'm saying is that grace is the answer. Unmerited favor is the answer. The power of God's grace to perform in us. Paul said you were washed. You were sanctified. You were set apart for a holy purpose. Think about that now. You know, praise God, we church God people, we holler about sanctification all the time. What, what does that mean? That means to be set apart for a holy purpose. That means that your life is special from now on. And whatever you did before you came to Jesus is not as valuable as his will for you is now. But you were justified. So, we, you know, we, 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 we hear that and Brother Andy hollers it and all this other good stuff, but we don't ever use it. The devil says, you this, 
And the grace of God gives you the right to say, no, I ain't. Boy, it's awful grammar, isn't it? No, I'm not. No, I ain't. You're a blah, 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 blah. No, I ain't. Well, you're this. No, I ain't. And you look the enemy in the eye and say, look, Doc, I'm not everything I want to be, but I ain't half what I used to be. Brother Oda sings that song, him and our sisters. There's been a change in me. A change in me. I'm not the man that I used to be. Old things are passed away. Since Christ has set me free. How can I remember that? I don't know what I ate yesterday. There's been a change in me. It is the grace of God that does that. And what we have to do is get past our pride and our ego and fall on his grace. It's like swimming in water that's over your head. Amen. It's the same principle is applied. I depend on the grace of God. You know why I can tell you I'm saved? Because Jesus said I was. He said, if you believe in me, I'll save you. If you believe in me, more than a dead confession that agrees with historical fact, but if you will base your life on faith, that is the rock that the man built his house on, listen, and when the storm came, his house stood. Now the parable there, the unrighteous, the man that built his house on the sand and the man that built his house on the rock both experience the storm. I'm not going to stand here and tell you you're not going to go through storm. What I will tell you <coughs> is that if you have built your house, if you have established your life on faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, when the storm is over, your place still be standing. Amen. When the enemy makes all these accusations about you, say, no, his grace is sufficient for me. To paraphrase old brother John, any of you brother and sister mess up, take heart. You got a lawyer with God, Jesus Christ. Brother Andy, what do I do if I, if I, if I flood, if I really mess up, if I shoot the Pope, what do I do? Lord, I'm sorry. Help the Pope. I shot him. But Lord, help me. You know what he'll do? He'll help you. Amen. Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me. What happens? You have to jump through a hoop. Amen. Immediately. Immediately. I know that there's some folks, they go into heaven, they got to ride this altar to get there. But the altar is here to ride. Amen. He is our hope. Active faith, genuine faith in him will produce in us a life that is pleasing in his sight. And by his grace, here comes all my Baptist upbringing now, and by his grace we persevere.
by his grace, we continue. I'm talking about when your faith in him is so deep and is so strong and is so absolute that you're like, you know, Mary at the tomb when she hears his voice and recognizes it, wheels around, grabs him around the knees, and is not going to let him go. I will not let you go. She went from her lowest point to her highest that quick, quicker than the weather changes in Somerville. Praise God. There is one in whom we believe that loves us. His grace is sufficient for us. He will see us through. And as Brother Gene Smith used to say, he will take us to the house. Stand your feet all over the place. He is through with me.